Welcome back to another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people, where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community. I'm Aaron Richmond. Tonight, like all other episodes, is of course copywritten by me, Aaron Richmond, and Aaron's Opinion. Thank you. Uh, you can listen to this podcast or watch this podcast right here on YouTube, or so many of you do, along with listening on iTunes or wherever you get a podcast. Telephone number for nasty voicemails, text messages, and contributions. one 2 Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com. Uh, tonight, we are joined by someone who I have been wanting to interview for a very long time, several weeks. Very, very glad to be interviewing Elizabeth Young, the uh, founder, executive director of Palomacy Pigeon and Dove Rescue. She joins us now. Um, it is truly a great, a great uh, interest of mine. As I have said, pigeons, parrots, that's definitely one of my dreams in life. So let's just dig right into this and see, see where the conversation goes. So first of all, what, what can you tell us about Palomacy? Let's, let's start there. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Aaron, for for inviting me and for giving me the opportunity to speak about Palomacy. I'm My really, pleasure. really grateful. My pleasure. Palomacy is a word that we actually made up. It, it means pigeon diplomacy. Nobody was doing what we were doing. Um, there's a lot of domestic unreleasable pigeons that are used for sports and hobbies and businesses and they get hurt. And if they're lucky enough to get rescued alive, there was no one to help them from there. They were just killed. And so rather than have these birds of euthanize at shelters, we started helping them find homes. And here we are 14 years later. Excellent. So, you know, one of, I, I guess the, be the best way to ask this next question is for me to say that, of course, in addition to pigeons, I'm also a parrot lover. Uh, one of my dreams is to have a parrot, but then of course, on top of doing a lot of research for parrots, I've come to understand a lot of really fascinating things with pigeons. One of which is that um, pigeons uh, are actually domesticated. And when we see them in city streets, they are actually feral. How would you, how do you define domestication? Um, to, and to what degree are pigeons domesticated? And, and to what degree do pigeons maintain a, a spiritual connection uh, with us people, uh, us homo sapiens sapiens, to make us feel that they truly are uh, domesticated? What do you think on that? There are literally hundreds of species of wild pigeons and doves many of which are extinct, like dodos were pigeons mm -hmm. and the passenger pigeons, they yes. were, you know, they're pigeons. Um, and then there's all these exotic, there's bantail pigeons and woodies and uh, green-breasted fruit doves and all, there's hundreds of different breeds of pigeons. But when you and I, and probably everybody else thinks about the word pigeon, it's the one species, Columba livia, that we're probably talking about. And that's the pigeon that was so exploited. Uh, they've been transported all over the world. They have been selectively inbred uh, 
over hundreds of generations into all kinds of configurations. The same way that humans have done to dogs, where we have inbred to create St. Bernard's and to create French bulldogs and to create Irish wolfhounds and, and collies and all chihuahuas and all of that, humans have done the same to pigeons. And so those domestic breeds like fantail pigeons, old German owl pigeons, uh, there's so many, there's um, Persian high flyers, there's uh, rollers and tumblers and racing pigeons and, and uh, powders and uh, just there's literally, in addition to the hundred species that I was talking about, the one species, Columba Bolivia, has been domesticated and bred into hundreds of breeds. So when we see the city pigeons, they are sort of somewhere in between that original wild stock of Columba Livia, that's like all the other wild pigeons, and the process of having been probably owned and bred and used at some point in the past couple of hundred years, and then having gotten free or dumped or abandoned or however, and living free. So those that survive, we think of them as having the survival of the fittest DNA, right? The least touched by us humans. It's the big giant white king pigeons and the silly little fantails and the parlor rollers and all these terribly inbred and disfigured by humans, those birds can't survive in the wild. And so they really are domestic. They are dependent on humans. And the city pigeons, because they are so adaptable and because our cities meet so many of their needs, it's the the buildings provide the ledges that they like to nest on. They're not tree nesters. They're ledge and cliff and cavity nesters. And then there's all this food and scraps and trash and everything that we make. And so they've been able to make a living in the cities and they're very habituated to us humans. I mean, you'll notice like you can walk up to a flock of pigeons on the sidewalk and you have to almost get within a you know foot or two before they fly away excellent yeah i have certainly noticed that without doubt yeah it's, it's extremely interesting so for what purposes um have you found that pigeons were bred for hundreds of years was it for many different things for racing, for food in some strange cases, what were all of the different reasons or all of the main reasons why humans were able to collect and, and basically breed out uh, these wild pigeons? They divided, uh, so just to be clear, my, right. I, I have a saying, um, rescued is my favorite breed. <laughs> sure, so, sure. Um, but the people who do this, have divided it into several categories. There's what's called utility pigeons. There are sporting pigeons. And then there are show pigeons. And the utility pigeons are birds that are used for meat, 
for lab testing for you know just they they have no nobody is breeding them to perform or to um, meet a show standard they're just going to be used in some way like the king pigeons is a very good example of the utility birds then there's the sports uh sporting pigeons and those include like racing pigeons homing pigeons that are bred to be used for businesses called dove release they use the word dove because it's more romantic but they're actually pigeons so there were these white homing pigeons they also uh breed rollers and tumblers and that's those are other sports that birds are bred to do acrobats in the air acrobatics in the air and it's it's not healthy for the birds they 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 suffer a lot and then the show birds are little fancies that are bred in all kinds of crazy ways um some fancy pigeons have these huge giant flight feathers that are literally growing out of their little tiny toes. And it's not because of anything natural. It's completely an unnatural thing that humans have done. They're called trumpeters. And humans think, it, think it's cool. I mean, picture somebody walking around in a super large slipper almost. Um, it's very awkward. It's very uncomfortable. And it really hurts their feet because their little tiny tender toes aren't designed to grow these big giant quills out of them. Um, another thing that, and that's for show, they do it, you know, because it's cool, like, because they can, like, who can have, you know, the most extreme feathering? Other pigeons, like there's the Jacobin, which is a pigeon that has this crazy pom-pom of feathers that stick straight up. They're not like normal pigeon feathers. They just stick straight up like some kind of crazy uh, Phyllis Diller type contraption that stick up around their head. People think that looks cool. It's exciting. It's different. It's exotic. Uh, it's not good for the pigeons. They have, um, they, you know, they can't see properly. They can't uh, live properly. And, um, and it goes on and on and on. There's pigeons, there's a breed that's called, um, gosh, what kind of pigeon is, oh, it's the uh, carrier pigeon. So it's, it's, so carrier pigeon was a term like, you know, any bird that you attach a message to their foot and, and send them, you don't send them anywhere, actually, you take them some, you take them away from home. And then if you put a message on their leg and let them go, they will fly that message home. They're not, they don't go anywhere. They only come home. It's one way delivery basically. Um, but there's this breed of pigeons that they have um, taken to such an extreme, uh, the, the show carrier pigeons that the, the little piece on their nose or beak that's right between their beak and their forehead, that's normally just the little tiny you know, barely half a half a pea size is actually more like the size of a walnut, and it's all wrinkly and 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 it's just this extra tissue that has been bred because humans can do it and they think it looks cool 
And of course, it's not good for the birds. It makes them vulnerable to arguments with other pigeons. They can't defend themselves properly. They can't see properly. Uh, and inbreeding brings a lot of problems. So I'm a big fan of not inbreeding. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Me, to me as well, yeah. No, anything, anything that hurts animals is something that I, I do not support at all. I have, I have no, no, no tolerance for that. Absolutely not. But yeah, yeah, but it, no, but it is, it is, it is very, it is very, very interesting how we have felt the need as people to, to use these birds in, in very different ways. So then back to your organization. So then, um, so then how did your organization get started? Uh, how did you come to start uh, your, your rescue organization? Aaron, I have always loved all animals. I've just, ever since I was little bitty, as well. that's the first thing I, I just, I'm very drawn to animals. I'm interested, I read about animals. I listen to and watch shows about animals, all of that. But I never wanted to be in the work or business of animals because I didn't feel like I, my heart could handle it. And so I lived my life when I, I loved animals, I spent time with animals. If I was going to have a pet, I rescued that pet, I adopted them, I never bought a pet. Um, if I saw an animal on the side of the road, I would pick up and help that animal. But I stayed out of the rescue world, I, I didn't become a vet, I didn't do any of those things that you know might have been sort of animal related. And then maybe I had like a midlife crisis or something, because I was about 45, and I decided, gosh, you know, I wonder if that decision that I made 40 years ago was wrong because I still love animals. So I decided I'm going to volunteer at the local animal shelter. And just that's very practical, right? Very limited. Just going to, you know, volunteer an hour or two at the shelter and just kind of try it out and see. Well, that's where I met these big white helpless king pigeons. I'd never heard of them. All the animal studies that I had done, it had, I'd never come across them. It was completely new to me. They come in every week to the shelter. Nobody did anything for them. They didn't put them on the website for adoption. They didn't name them. They didn't vet them. They didn't do anything. They just let them stand there for a week and then they euthanized them. Oh. And 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 I would yeah and I I mean it's it's very sad you know you see we see a lot of, of tragic sad things you posted um by the by the way um I, it's a long story I don't give out my location but I'm I'm on I'm on the east you know I'm I'm on I'm on the east coast you're on the west coast on my side of the country I saw what you posted today about that um pigeon that thing in 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 DC where it's, you know 17 pigeons had to be rescued out of uh yep. So, yep. Yeah, I saw yep. that. I saw yep. that. And yep. it's so it's so frustrating, you know, that really, really frustrates me when people, I mean, obviously, I don't know the details. Um, but it's very, very frustrating when that when that occurs. So I would just wonder, um, wh why would it why would a shelter take in any pet, if they had no intention of putting it up for adoption? I mean, isn't that just a waste it's, of money? Right? Right? Well, I can I can answer that question. And so it's most shelters don't take in birds. Most shelters turn them away. But open door municipal shelters 
like city shelters, they have to be open to all the animals. So if you find a seagull or you find a hamster, you find a rabbit, you find a pregnant cat, you know, whatever you find and bring to them, they have to take responsibility for. And I agree. I, I, I think it was lacking initiative to not develop some sort of rescue opportunities or placement opportunities for these birds. But I think we have to give the shelters uh, context. We have to put them in the context. There, there wasn't, there weren't pet pigeons. There were wild pigeons that lived and did their own thing. There were pigeons that were used for sport, for hobby, for business. And you might have hobby pigeons in your backyard in an aviary, but they weren't your pets. They weren't, you didn't name them. You didn't take them to the vet when they were sick. You didn't treat them like companion animals. You treated them more like property animals. And that's how, I mean, that's where most of the world is. What we're doing is we're changing that. So when we rescue these birds, so the king pigeons, the reason they even end up at the animal shelter, they're bred for meat. It's called squab. And just in California alone, over a million king pigeon juveniles are butchered every year for squab. It's considered a delicacy. It's served in fancy white tablecloth restaurants, Spanish cuisine, French cuisine, Chinese cuisine, Italian. It's, it's considered one of the best meats ever. And so most of those squab, those, those king pigeons bred for meat, actually go straight from their nest. They're taken out of their parents' nest when they're 28 days old, four weeks old. And they're basically put in a crate and go straight to the processing plant. And nobody ever sees them. They, the next time they show up, they are on a fancy restaurant plate. But a small percentage of these king pigeons are sold at live poultry markets, what are called wet markets, right? And so people see them. They see these big white birds, even though they're only four weeks old, they're big, they look like they're grown up and they're pitiful and they're standing there and they're scared. And so people either one buy them because they wanna save their life. And they say, oh, I'm gonna buy these pigeons and I'm gonna take them to the park and I'm gonna set them free so that they can live. Not realizing that the, the survivability has been completely bred out of these birds. They have no ability to survive. They, they stand there and, and get tore up by cats and hawks and ravens and gulls and dogs and coyotes and raccoons and rats and possums. They're just helpless. Um, they're smart. They're very, very, it's not that they're stupid. They're extremely smart, but they have no survival skills left and they're bred to be big and heavy. So they're lousy flyers. Plus, they're only four weeks old. They don't barely know how to, how to feed themselves, let alone you know, how to defend themselves out in the world. Or the other way people, uh, these king pigeons would wind up out on their own is people buy them for ceremonies. We've seen people buy them and take them to a funeral, thinking that they can do it yourself, dove release, right? Here are these, these snow white birds. I'm gonna honor my, my dead loved one. I'm gonna buy these six king pigeons. And then at the right time, I'm gonna open up the cage and they're gonna fly away 
like that's what white doves do, right? No, no, that's not what they do. They stand there helpless um, or people do it for their own ceremonies. So most of those birds that people buy from the live poultry markets and set free, quote unquote, air quotes, they're killed out in the world. They, they don't even make it to a shelter. But the few that were lucky enough that somebody notices them, somebody picks them up, takes the time, says, gee, who, who is, you know, what's going on here? Takes them to the shelter. Then when the shelter got a hold of them, they know how to help cats find homes and they know how to help dogs find homes and they, but they didn't know what to do to help pigeons find homes. And thankfully that's getting better now. People are learning. And the thing is, pigeons make amazing pets. They're such smart, mellow. They're very emotional, but in a, not in a needy way, in a more of a kind of a deep way. They're, we call them masters of the leisure arts. Pigeons love to just chill. They like to hang out. They're couch potatoes. They want to sit on your shoulder. They want to sit on your keyboard. Um, they want to lay in the sun. They want to soak in a bath. Uh, they're very mellow. You know, like parrots are high energy, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, extreme, and indeed, and sure, surely, and extremely, and extremely high, high maintenance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And the parrots have, I mean, I love parrots. Don't get me wrong. I, I've adopted parrots. I, I love them dearly. Um, but it's very hard to give a parrot a good life in a human home. They have very strong beaks that need to chew, chew, chew all the time. And if they don't, you know, they, they don't know necessarily, you know, why should they stop chewing your couch? I mean, it's, you know, it's chewable. So um, they bite, they scream. Um, they're, they're trying to cope in a human world that is just completely mismatched to their needs. On the other hand, pigeons, and especially the, like the king pigeons and the fantails and the racers and the homers that we're rescuing, they're domestic. They are literally domestic. Parrots are not. Right. Pigeons are domestic. And they're also, by nature, they're quiet. You know, they don't make anything louder than a coo. They don't have any beak strength. They don't chew at all. Pigeons swallow their food whole. And so they don't have any beak strength. So if they get mad and bite you, it's like, ha ha, you're silly because it's this, they're literally called soft bills because their, their beaks are so, you know, ineffectual. Like parrots are hook bills, right? They can take your finger off or crack a Brazil nut like that. Um, so pigeons make really, really amazing pets. And we have seen a lot of success. And it's not like, I don't want to give the impression that we're the first ones. People have been helping pigeons on their own for millions of years all over the world. Everybody, that's their million, I don't know, hundreds of thousands. How long have people been around? Um, people have been helping pigeons individually. But I think we are probably the first organization that was created specifically to help domestic pigeons and doves. And so we have our hundreds of volunteers and adopters and supporters have done a lot to help get that word out and sort of we're changing, we're changing the, the game, right? We don't, when we rescue pigeons, we don't 
return a racing pigeon to be raced. That's an exploitive, dangerous use of birds that treats the birds like they're disposable. We don't treat them like they're disposable. We treat them like you treat your beloved pet. Um, when a bird is rescued, one of the king pigeons are rescued from, you know, we don't return them to go back and be made into a restaurant meal. We find them homes. Excellent. Sure. So to, to kind of go back, I guess, and to, and to clarify in, in my mind, or maybe in, 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 in the listener's mind, um, and I, you know, I, I, I completely, I completely respect your opinion a hundred percent, but you know, you, you know, I, and, and I agree that it's highly cruel and, and inappropriate, all these different things that we've done over the centuries with all these weird human entertainment, all these different, uh, inbreedings, as you've said. So, but to go full circle with the argument though, is it okay to keep a, a domestic pigeon as a pet in a home or is that also cruel and, and not appropriate? That's a great question, Erin. I love that question. And I, I thank you for raising- right. Because mainly, because as you can tell, I'm, I'm very curious. And I will, I will also tell you that uh, it's a bit of a long story. I live with my, I live with my family. I live with my parents and my brother. And my story a little bit is that my, both of my parents are highly against parrots in, in captivity. In fact, I've never met two people who have not been more against one type of, one type of pet in my life. Um, but pigeons are, are a little bit different. And then of course, then you said, you know, then you were, were respectfully critical of all of the different things that we've done to them over the centuries. So then I wonder, well, do you really think they should be pets in the first place or what, what's the truth about That's, all of that? I, yeah. I love that question and thank you for asking mm -hmm. it. And no, I think pigeons, I think birds should be wild and free, but these birds are here. We don't breed. We don't support breeding. We prevent breeding. What we do is these birds are already here. Other people have created this life and now this life is vulnerable. They can't live on their own. There's no free place for them. There's no place where they can be wild and free. So they have to have either a home or they die. And so we feel that under those circumstances, better to give them a home. And we feel very lucky, it turns out that they thrive in our homes because pigeon needs are a lot like human needs. They're not high energy, they're not restless, they don't need to, I mean, pigeons, even wild pigeons, they lounge around. If they don't have to look for food or escape a predator, they're just chilling. They're very mellow. And so we humans, if we give a home to a pigeon as a pet, we can give them a good life. And that's how I justify. That's, that's how I draw the line. I absolutely agree. I don't think they should be pets. I think they should be wild and free. But for those that are already here, we want those birds to have as much of a life as they can. Sure. So I, I guess your point in, in another way of another. So to summarize that, you would say, as is 
typically said with different parrot groups, different people in the parrot hobby, they might say, they oftentimes say, well, they should never have been kept as pets or, or taken from the wild in the first place. But now that they're here, it's up to us to treat them properly and as best we can now that they're here. Right. Exactly. Right. I see. So then, I mean, in, in, in California, then, I mean, do you, so how does your organization work? In other words, if someone, let's say, wants to adopt a pigeon from you in California, do they go through like a screening process? Do you make them volunteer with your organization first? How do you go about that? Uh, the first step is to complete an online application. And what it does for us is it starts the conversation. What, um, you know, where do you live? What are you looking for inside or outside? Um, do you know that pigeons can live, you know, 10 to 15 years? Do you know that um, you can't let them breed? We will teach you to remove real eggs and to replace them with fake as hatch control. Um, so it's a conversation. It's, it's a starting point. And then, and people usually have a lot of questions because, I mean, who's the last person that you know that has a pet pigeon, right? I mean, it's not a common thing. So we take people by the hand and walk them through the whole thing. And we do everything we can to help them prepare and provide a good home as long as they're committed. If, if they feel like, oh, here's another big one. For example, it's not safe to free fly domestic pigeons. There is no domestic sky. And so as much as we'd all like to see our birds just free to come and go, that's irresponsible. It's not safe. And so we require our adopters to agree that they will keep them either enclosed indoors or in a predator and rodent proof aviary. They won't let them free fly because it's not safe for them. Um, and if they're in agreement that they support that idea, then we move forward. If they feel like, no, that's, you know, I, I want my birds to fly free, then we do our best to share why we feel that way, what our experience has been, and we part ways. Um, but here's the thing, a lot of our adopters, first of all, most people don't even think about a pigeon as a pet. And then if, if you even do, like you don't know anybody that's had one, um, most of the people that come to us come to us because a pigeon found them. Mm -hmm. A yeah. weak, sick, starving, injured, lost racer, lost homer, um, abandoned king pigeon. Uh, we just, nice lady pulled a little roller out of the filter inlet in her pool where it was hiding after a dog got a hold of it. Um, people come to us, they find a bird that needs help. And they say, you know, here, take this bird. And we say, gosh, we're full. We're always full. We've got 195 birds in our foster care, but we can teach you how to care for that bird. And you can take care of them and they'll be on our waiting list. Or maybe you fall in love and you want to keep them. Um, and it, we work through it as a case by case basis. Uh, but many of our adopters come to us not because they decided they wanted to go out and get a pigeon but because they found a pigeon that needed help. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really fascinating. So I, I got interested in pigeons because about, so I'm, I'm nearly 30 years old, I'm 29. 
And about 15 years ago, um, an acquaintance of mine uh, got a parrot, got a galah. And for about 15 years, I've been, you know, off and on wanting, wanting a parrot. And then I've come to, you know, I've been doing a lot of research for 15 years about, about this whole, you know, the, the history, the science, the, the husbandry, the, you know, the whole nine yards. And then I probably came across some videos, um, you know, over the years about, about pigeons, you know, very recently and got more interested in that. Wow. That's, you know, that's, that's actually, I'm going to use a word I don't want to use. It's very sounds very nasty when I say this, but pigeons seem to me like more, more, there's something more reasonable and there's something more relatable um, about, about a pigeon too. So that's kind of how I got into this whole, you know, I, this whole idea, but it's, it's really, really fascinating. So it's hard to compare and you really can't, but um, I've learned a lot about the sensitivity of parrots and how parrots and birds have amazingly sensitive lungs and they can't be around all sorts of chemicals and all sorts of things can kill them easily. So if pigeons do so well in our homes, how strong are they and how well are they able to adapt to the various activities that we do? And how much comparison can you draw between having a pigeon and caring for certain types of parrots. I know that's a hard comparison. What do you think? Well, there are, I can definitely, I can fill in some of the blanks. So their lungs, their, their susceptibility to toxic fumes, that's the same, but their behaviors are different. For example, if you have a parrot and they're wandering around your house, there's a high probability they're gonna chew your wall or your chair or something. I mean, they, they're chewers, that's, and so they might end up ingesting paint pieces that a pigeon wouldn't because pigeons aren't chewers. So there's some ways that pigeons just get into less trouble because of their behaviors. It's not better or worse, it's just they don't chew. Um, as far uh, as, oh, well, and another thing, so parrots are very high energy and they need lots of stimulation and lots of excitement and lots of adventures. And the more excitable and busy and restless and high energy you are, the more things you gotta do. You know, you gotta like crawl behind this and chew on that and jump in here and so, because of their high energy level, parrots can get themselves into harm's way very innocently, just because they're busy, busy, busy. Where pigeons, they like walk around the house, they kind of look here, they look there, they lay in the sun. Um, you know, if they hear you open something in the kitchen, they might come flying down the hall to see what you're doing. Uh, but they're just so much more mellow. So, and that's their nature. That's not, that's, I mean, if you had them outside and if they didn't have to find food and they didn't have to get away from predators, they'd be exactly the same. Um, so I think that it's easier to keep pigeons safe as pets than it is parrots. And not because, just because of their different temperaments and their different requirements. Sure, sure. So a pigeon would be 
Um, I mean, of course, you don't. I mean, you don't know me in person, so it's hard. It's it's hard for you to 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 judge it. But a pigeon for me would be kind of more, yeah, man, manage kind of more manageable, a little bit more like yeah, manageable, lower, slightly lower key, kind of like that. Yeah. Yes, definitely, and not just for you, for everybody. They're, uh, they are. Um, Really, I mean, we, we literally call them masters of the leisure arts. They like to nap, they like to hang out, they like to sit in the sun. Um, and the males are very flirty. They like to do a lot of flirting and strutting and circling and showing off. Um, we always provide mirrors. Uh, pigeons love and, and self-recognize. They love seeing themselves in the mirror and showing off. That's now that shocks me that you would provide a mirror. I've heard in the on the parrot side, they, they've they tend to think that that's not so good for the parrot's psychology, but that's very interesting that pigeons yeah. are okay with a mirror. And you know, I'm not sure that I, I mean, I've, I've heard that in the parrot world as well. I'm not sure that I would agree to it. Can you hear that? And your camera's on, so I didn't see it. But of course, I heard. That's that's lovely. Of course. I'm sorry. I lost my camera. I meant to. I oh, meant that to is totally it. fine. Totally fine. Of course. What you just heard that yes. was that was Rosie. She is a blind Homer, who I am taking care of. She's a survivor of a dove release. She and two other birds were dyed completely green, and that dye. Uh, blinded them. And Rosie was rescued a couple of years ago, and she is a married bird. Her mate is named Jake. And I am actually just pigeon sitting for her. She's already been adopted. She has an amazing home, but she had a little bit of a health issue. And so I've been babysitting her. And so she was sitting here right now all this time. And I'm so sorry my camera's off. I didn't that wasn't deliberate. I lost, no, I no, can't. To totally all right. Yeah. Is that okay? Of course it um, is. Mm -hmm. a, uh, but anyway, so she's been sitting here just quietly, just minding her own business, just hanging out until all of a sudden she decided to just kind of helicopter up and she just, so she's, she can't see where she's going. So right. she doesn't choose a destination. She just hovers up because, you know, she's got wings and why not? And so that's what you just heard. And then she kind of landed. Sometimes I'm able to get my hand under her when she's landing and it's fun. It's like, you know, very choreographed. In this case, I couldn't get there fast enough. And so she landed on a piece of furniture um, a little awkwardly, but she's fine, you know, not, didn't hurt herself. Um, and yeah, so there's that, that's what that interruption and that's, that sound was oh, very, very, ple very pleasing. That was, that was delightful. In fact, if, if, if you, uh, if you want, why don't you send over um, a picture um, of her or of any of your birds, if you want, that I could use as the uh, cover art um, or the thumbnail, that, that would be very good. Uh, I nice, would love nice, to do that. Sure, I have a, sure thing. A I really have, good picture of one. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, but that's, that's all very, all very interesting. So, I mean, as far as like the husbandry is concerned, like, would would taking care of a pigeon is it just less than less than a parrot similar to similar to a parrot or similar to any other 
uh, Bird, what you, or, or I guess, what can you tell me about the, the husbandry that goes into, you know, day-to-day -day care for a pigeon? So it's way, way easier to care for a pigeon than it is for a parrot. Um, and again, just because their needs are very different, it's like, like it would be easier to take care of a poodle than it would be a rhinoceros. They're just two different creatures and you can't, it's not one is better than the other. They're just different. Um, so what you need to give a good life to a pigeon is they either need to be indoors with the family. You can't keep a single pigeon outside in a aviary or a cage. That's cruel. They're too lonesome. They're too stressed. They're miserable. So if you're only going to have one or two pigeons, they need to be in the house with you. They're flock birds. And so they need to be in the house with the people and that becomes their flock. If you have a, a flock of pigeons, you have four or six or eight pigeons, then you can have them in an outside aviary that's predator and rodent proof. And it has to be very secure. That's, a, that's, that's something, that's one of our requirements. So if people are looking to adopt, we help them develop uh, or retrofit their enclosure to be predator and rodent proof. In the house, you can have, so pigeons like a home base. Pigeons are very home and family oriented. That's why they're used for all this racing and message carrying and the dove releases. All they care about is home. They are just flying their hearts out to get home. They care about home and their mate. So if you keep a pigeon in your house, they like to have sort of a home base and that can be a big wide cage and you can close it, uh, close them in there when they need to be safe. Like let's say people are coming and going or you're cooking on the stove and you wanna keep them safe, you can close them in. Um, or you can leave the crate or cage open for them to come and go. They, they like their house, so they spend a lot of time in it. Um, we use those big uh, black wire dog crates. Bird cages are tiny. Like I, I have a real problem with the whole bird cage industry. I am very angry at what they sell for bird cages. If you look for a parrot cage online, most of what they sell, we wouldn't, it's not big enough for a finch, let alone a conure or an African gray or a gala or a, you know what I mean? So bird cages are just, you need to disregard what the business says and pay attention to what reality says. Pigeons need a nice big wide cage. The minimum that we would recommend is about three and a half, four feet wide two and a half feet tall, two and a half feet deep. And of course, bigger is better. But with that cage, they can't just live in that cage 24 seven. They need out of cage time. That's when they come in, they hang around the house with you. They watch TV with you. They listen to music. They, you know, they help you vacuum. They like to supervise when you're working on your computer, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and Food is easy. They're granivores. They actually, you, we buy, there's all these different blends of pigeon feed. And it's basically a combination of seeds, corn and wheat and milo and safflower and uh, canola seed and, you know, about 10 others. 
um, they eat those, they just swallow them whole. You can give them a little bit of greens, like some minced veggies or like a nice big head of romaine lettuce and they can pull off and eat pieces. Um, the mirrors, so mirrors are like uh, for pigeons, they do, they've been proven to self-recognize. And from our experience, what we have seen is pigeon, mirrors are like TV for humans. That's how pigeon, that's how mirrors are for pigeons. For example, when I first started volunteering in the animal shelter and I first met these birds and I first realized that nobody was helping them and that's how I ended up starting this rescue, um, there's not much you can do for them while they're in their crates or their cages in the shelter to give them enrichment. And so we would put a little mirror in there for them. And wherever you put the mirror, and I don't mean little like a budgie, I mean like a locker mirror, like about eight inches tall by four inches, six inches wide, wherever you leaned that mirror, the bird would be right there. That's where they would go. They would sit with that bird in the mirror. It was company for them. Even though they knew it wasn't really a bird, it was better than nothing. Um, male birds love to show off and strut and do all kinds of shenanigans in front of the mirrors. And that's often how we can tell, like if somebody has rescued a bird and they don't know what kind of male or female, we'll ask them, give them a nice big mirror and watch for a couple of days. Once they're feeling strong and healthy and recovered, if they start showing off and strutting and, and doing all this, uh, you know, that's a, that's a male pigeon. The female pigeons tend to just sit with, the, with their reflection, kind of like keeping company. Um, we also play videos for pigeons. They love watching videos. They're very, um, you know, and pigeons have been proven, they're, they're so smart in so many ways. And that's the thing. So like parrots are highly intelligent. So are pigeons. Pigeons are highly intelligent, but it's a less busy, less restless kind of intelligence. They've proven that pigeons can not only recognize a human face, but they can match it to a photograph of that human, which is crazy because that's a 2D abstract piece of paper. Like, you know, like, how does that even, how do they even, you know, like we think of our humans, like, oh, that's something we're able to do this abstract conceptualizing, but pigeons can literally match your face to a photo of your face. Um, and yeah, so they're very, so they like that. They like videos. They understand what they see to some degree. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. They definitely, they, they definitely are interested in them. Um, and yeah, and a pigeon, so pigeons coo, but it's not like they're silent all the time. They coo. And that's a sound, if you're thinking about adopting a pigeon, you wanna go online and hear, and you know, we can help people find that. Um, you wanna hear what that sounds like and be comfortable with it. It's not like the screaming that a parrot does, but it's still a noise, you know? So if, if you're sensitive and you don't wanna hear cooing, then definitely don't get a male pigeon. Um, females are quieter. The other thing is, if you're gonna have a pigeon, Pigeons have to have a significant other. So if you're around and you're committed to being that pigeon's significant other, 
you can bond very closely and you can keep one human can have a, have a single pigeon and they can be very happy and very fulfilled. If you're gone all the time, if you're at school, you're at work, you're busy, you're doing this and that, you can't just leave a single pigeon home alone. That's, they have to have a mate. They, it's just, it's too cruel, it's too lonesome. And if they have a mate and they lay eggs, you can't let them hatch because the world has so, so, so too many domestic pigeons in need of homes. So has someone ever, I mean, has someone ever like um, contacted you and said, you know, okay, I've had my pigeons for a few years. Uh, the eggs hatched, what do I do? Like has, has someone ever accidentally allowed the eggs oh, to hatch or? Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunately, so we, we're, we're very conscientious and we try very hard, but it happens to the best of us. Like some of us, um, you know, we, we have flocks of pigeons, whether they're all our adopted pigeons or we have a mix of foster and adopted. You know, we might have 10 pigeons in an aviary. We might have 20. Um, every couple is laying one pair of eggs every month. And there's no breeding season for pigeon. It's hmm. year round. They're just constantly. Now, that, now that's odd. Yeah, that's, that's, that's unusual. Yeah. Usually birds and reptiles have some particular time of year where they generally mate. Usually not, not all year. That, that is very strange. Yeah. No, it's, it's year round. And of course, if, if a pigeon is living in the wild and food is so scarce um, and conditions are so severe that survival is a challenge, then they're less likely to be. They, re they reproduce less under those circumstances. But if it, even if it's, if it's winter and snowy and it's cold, if there's enough food and, and there's a good nesting place, they will, they will raise babies year round. So yeah, people have, we, we call it an oops baby. Um, and there's nothing we can do. Once that baby's here and hatched, all we can do is love them and work that much harder to find another, you know, to spread the word, find more adopters. I mean, that's why I'm so grateful to you for having me on your show, Aaron, because people don't know about this. People have no idea. People well, know I, that. I know. I know. I've been researching. I've been watching pigeon videos for months. I know. <laughs> your listeners might not. Your listeners no. might not realize how many, right? So like I said, we have 195 foster pigeons. That's, that's, fr that's frustrating. And that's, and, and you know what? And that's concerning. That That's a concerningly high number as far as I'm concerned. There should not be, even though you can obviously tell. So I don't need to say secretly tell. As you can tell, I clearly want in my lifetime, I clearly want to adopt a pigeon, but even I can tell, okay, 195, that's a sign that at some point we humans may mess something up. That's, that's not, that number shouldn't oh, be 195. And, and that's, that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's, oh, yeah. so Palomacy here in the SF Bay area, we've got about 40 different foster homes and aviaries caring for those 195 birds. They're distributed. Some families care for one or two or four. Some have an aviary with 10 or 12, um, but our 195 pigeons are distributed through those foster homes. Last year in 2020, we placed 257 pigeons and doves with adopters. And we cannot keep up. We have a waiting list. We, there's birds, 
uh, at shelters that that need to you know need our help. Um, there's people who find them. I've had three people reach out today about birds that they found that we don't have room for. We do our best to coach them. And, you know, you're a part of our Facebook help group, our Palomacy help group. So amongst the different volunteers and rescuers, uh, just our mods, there's, there's over 500 pigeons that are fostered and in homes needing adoption. And if you expand it out to other rescues, like Wild Bird Fund in New York or... Yeah, one. exactly, exactly. Then it's even, even more. And the thing is, we're only, most of the pigeons that are bred and used are used as if they're disposable and they die without anybody ever helping them. It's just a part of how they're used. And so those birds that we're describing, that's the tip of the iceberg. Those are just the lucky few. When like every year, pigeon racers breed just in the United, I mean, they, it's worldwide, but just in the US, they breed several million racing pigeons. And of those several million, you know, I, I, let's say just for, let's say for argument's sake, there's 2 million that are bred every year. Um, you know, about half of those pigeons will be lost to starvation, to injury, to um, predator attack, to collisions. Um, and then out of the remaining survivors, the million, at least another half of those will either be sold to be used for training hunting dogs or for live target shooting or um, to somebody else, you know, here, you, this pigeon's not fast enough for me, but maybe it's fast enough to be like for your team. Um, it's extraordinary how many uh we're asked sometimes people contact us with a hundred pigeons that they need to find a home for because grandpa doesn't race anymore right um and he can't keep up the hobby anymore and now they gotta go yeah that's weird that, that that's crazy here there's i found it i'm so sorry i am I am not good on Zoom, and so that's all right. I but I'm did, glad you found it. I'm I'm trying to share screen because I have Rosie standing here right in my hand, just cute as can be. Um, anyway, I will definitely send you pictures. Sure, sure. Yeah, really, really fascinating. Um, yeah, I can't I can't fathom. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely that's definitely cruel. Just just to breed an animal, just to use it really for no for no no purpose at all really for, uh, just for your own amusement and right. and they suffer terribly these pigeons you know a pigeon when they race them they take them hundreds of miles from home and they release them and the birds fly their hearts out all they want to do is get home and a racing pigeon can burn through half of its body weight in one race that's how much exertion it is. And if they do that, let's say they're flying against a headwind or let's say they get a little lost and it takes them the long way, they can literally burn through their breast muscle and be grounded, unable to fly anymore because they have just burned through all of their resources. And now they're walking 
looking for help. And that's how we rescue a lot of birds. They're smart. They turn to people for help. We call it self-rescuing. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's all very, all very concerning. How many, how many of these pigeons are like lost each year in this, in these sports and in these activities? Millions, millions, truly. It's, um, uh, Google pigeon racing and what, uh, the races, you know, one race might use, might have 20,000 birds released, just one race, maybe a race in uh, Reno or a race in San Diego or a race in, you know, wherever the location, just one location. The, the hobbyists, the sports people, they ship or truck their birds all to one race release location. And then at the same time, all the birds are let out and they just take off. I mean, all they care about is home. They're very, that's why pigeons are exploited so much is because they have this extraordinary dedication to getting home. What, um, how many other researchers have you reached out to, to learn about pigeons or to share all of your, you know, all of your knowledge that you've gained about pigeons? Oh, it's just constant. It's, it's, you know, because the need is so overwhelming, like, you know, I didn't, I, I was, I didn't want to start a rescue. That was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't think my heart could handle it. I, you know, I didn't, but the birds needed it. And the need is so great that it's just all consuming. And even with, it's not just me. I mean, there's hundreds of us doing this. We have amazing people working like crazy doing this, but basically it's nonstop. And so I am connecting with everybody I can. Sometimes it's experts in um, advocacy, animal rights. Sometimes it's experts in um, avian medicine. Sometimes it's experts in PR. Like, how do we get this word out? How, here's another, oh, I almost forgot, Erin. Let me share this. This is really, really important. Most people think that city pigeons are dirty. That's not true. A pigeon would never be dirty unless they're trapped in a dirty environment. If you ever see a dirty pigeon, it's because they're trapped in a dirty environment. They love to be clean. They're meticulous about being clean. So you can never fault a pigeon if they're dirty. Secondly, people think uh, they're stupid. They're not, they're highly intelligent. And many, you don't have to take my word for it. I mean, there's, they've been studied relentlessly because they're easy to keep in cognitive study labs and all that. Another thing people think, oh, they're gonna make you sick. You'll get a disease from pigeons. That is not true. You are so much more likely to get a disease from a dog or a cat um, or even your own human neighbor than you are from a pigeon. If you were trying to make somebody sick, like let's say uh, you wanted to make somebody sick, all the different ways you could try and do that, pigeon would be at the very end of the list because they're so ineffectual at making humans sick. They can get sick, they do get diseases themselves, but they do not give diseases to humans. 
That's all propaganda. That's all an excuse for pest control and it's big business. I mean, the, the, the people make, like, companies make millions and millions of dollars out of killing pigeons. Um, and it's, it's easy to do and justify, oh, you know, they, they make you sick, they're a health hazard, you know, let's, they're a nuisance. And that's actually not true. You're way more likely to be struck by lightning than you'll ever be made sick by pigeon. So when you're out there in the city, most people will never meet a domestic pigeon. Um, but if you're out there and you're seeing the city pigeons, don't be afraid of them. They would never attack you. They won't hurt you. Um, if a city pigeon ever does approach you, like a, you're just out minding your business and a city pigeon like comes right to you and lands on your shoulder and acts like a familiar, that is a pigeon that was raised up by people. That pigeon, a lot of people do that, right? They find a baby pigeon, wild baby pigeon. They bring them home. They raise them up. They're super cute. Then they grow up. Now they're pooping. Now they're, you know, strutting and cooing. And they decide, okay, I'm going to let you free. So they take them to the park and they set them free, quote unquote. But that pigeon has no education and no flock. And they don't know how to survive. So a lot of those don't make it either even though they have the DNA where they could have made it. Yeah, it's, that's excellent. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, all, all of those things through my research, but I, I appreciate you sharing it with the audience. A lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't understand, you know, you know, the half of that. So that's, that's really excellent. But speaking of the, the medical side of it, so, you know, we already know that parrots are masters at hiding injury and hiding illness. How well can a pigeon uh, hide an illness if, uh, like let's say a person's keeping it and you know, how well do pigeons conceal illness before it's too late? They're very stoic. And so, yeah, you have to be very attentive. They're hardy. Um, pigeons are, are not frail. They, um, and many times, even if they get sick, if just, if you support them, they will self-resolve. Um, but yeah, they're prey animals. And so they try not to reveal their weakness. We do, we teach our adopters the things to look for. I mean, um, checking weight if, and also behavior. Are they doing something different? You know, are they, are they lazier than they used to be? Is their appetite reduced? Um, does, are, are they, do you hear audible breathing? You know, that's a problem. Are they uh, sitting around and acting dumpy? You know, so there's ways, and that's one of the things that's great about the Palomacy Help Group. We connect with each other, we answer each other's questions, and you know, because sometimes you're like, I don't know what I'm seeing or feeling here. Is this true? Is this is this a problem or is it not? And we come together and kind of the collective intelligence, right? We can we can help each other to sort of try and figure out what are, what is going on. You don't have to be the expert from day one. Mm -hmm. right. Excellent. Yeah. So how, so how often do pigeons go to the vet and do they go to only avian vets or just, you know, a general vet that's comfortable with pigeons? So the vast majority of people who breed and use pigeons don't vet them at all. They actually, uh, they will kill them if they get sick because they don't want a, a contagion risk for their other birds um, or because a sick bird, a weak bird isn't going to be a 
star performer, et cetera, et cetera. But people who rescue and adopt them as pets, uh, we, we do highly recommend avian vets. Birds are very different from mammals. And so it's important to get them to a vet that, uh, that has a knowledge of birds. And we don't, for example, like with Palomacy, with parrots, and I, I'm not in disagreement with this. I mean, and if, if there was unlimited resources, I think it would be great if everybody could take their bird every year to the avian vet for a well bird check and, you know, be observed and, and that would be fantastic. We don't often see the resources for that. And so most of our adopters and rescuers, they, they don't uh, go to a vet unless they have a concern, if something is the matter. And if we think something's the matter, you go right away. You don't wait, you, you wanna get expert input because by the time we know, that means it could be a serious issue. Right, or, or by the time it's truly noticeable, it's from what I'm hearing, around the various bird groups, it's, if, if, if it's noticed, it's too late, usually, um, but it, it does depend. But yeah, that's very, very, all very interesting for sure. Yeah, well, great. Um, so- So are you gonna get a pet pigeon? I, I certainly, once I move, once <laughs> I move, once I move to, to Florida, um in a few years or something like that i don't know do you think there's a lot of pigeons a lot of have you had a lot of success uh down in florida do you know a lot of people in florida who are rescued yes yes we wherever you are no matter where you are there are pigeons in need of help um and homes it's sometimes i mean it's easier you know with palomacy because of what we do here in the bay area it's easier to find a pet pigeon to adopt in the bay area but we can help you find them wherever you are. They are out there. And um, more and more, we're hooking up. I mean, people through the magic of social media, we're connecting and we're making, um, you know, like you said, you saw that, that uh, post that I shared for about the Washington DC pigeons. We're helping get the word out. Like we're not just trying to do this all alone anymore. Sure. We're, we're trying to come together. And what is your having, yeah. And what is your suspicion about that whole Washington DC incident? What is, what do you, what do you suspect is the truth behind that? Well, so I actually saw the video and it was heartbreaking and not unusual. Hmm. Um, it looked like a family or a person had, they had probably, you know, 15, 14, 15 different cages. They were way too small. They were dirty. They weren't well uh, furnished for pigeons. And the birds were just kind of languishing. And it probably, I don't think they started out that way. I think the individual probably started out with the best of intentions. They probably rescued one pigeon. And then somebody said, oh, I found a pigeon. Will you take them? And then another and another. Um, or maybe they just love pigeons and they collected them. They, they sought them out, yeah. but, but they weren't being kept in good condition. And unfortunately that happens. I mean, we work really hard. I mean, that's 
that's part of why we screen our adopters. I'm very, very amazed at the quality of, of life and care that our adopters provide to their birds. It's extraordinary. Um, but, you know, there, but for the grace of God, you know, you never know when something's going to happen. You get sick or, you know, it can happen. You can have, those birds might've been cared for beautifully just in two smaller cages. Um, and then something went wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, on one hand, I would think it could be just cruelty or evil, or it could be just as equally someone just maybe got a little ahead of themselves and just got stuck, just got in that position of just got stuck with 17 birds. Although I, I, I don't know, it is, it is very strange. It's possible that it was completely unintentional for that to get out of control, or it was possible that maybe it was a horde or you, you know, who, who knows really. Yep. Yep. So then I guess those birds will just have to, if they're healthy enough, they'll have to either find new adoptees or, or what, or just go into, I, I don't know what they're going to do with those birds now, I guess. So uh, hopefully they, more and more. So when I started 15 years ago, it was the norm for shelters to kill pigeons. They're classified as a nuisance animal and the laws don't protect them. And, you know, the shelters can barely keep up with the puppies and kittens, right? Yeah. Um, so it was, and there weren't many rescues. There's a lot of dog rescues, a lot of cat rescues, a lot of rabbit and rat and even parrots. Oh, tons of those. Yeah. Yeah. But there's not much in the way of pigeon and dove rescue. So, um, in the past, when, like I said, 15 years ago, there wouldn't even have been a question. Those birds would have been euthanized. Um, now it's much more likely that they will get placed, um, that the shelters, they're promoting them, they're, they're showing them on their websites. And we take pigeons. I mean, last year was, and so far this year too, has been really tough because we haven't been able to do outreach events. But before COVID, we would be out every weekend at an adoption fair or a veg fest or some event with our birds tabling and meeting people and telling them about hope because when people meet pigeons they're blown away like pigeons are you you just fall in love they're very charming um and so i in fact i try i i like to not even talk about pigeons i like to just be there and hand a pigeon to somebody because they are much better um representatives than i could ever be for them Definitely. So, so good. So good. And um, so you also said that you love parrots. Um, so what are, so do you also have parrots? What are some of your parrots that you also love or that you also think um, are less bad or kind of more reasonable as far as the parrot side goes? Well, so the thing is when I, I always, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted a parrot. I just, I, I loved them and I wanted, but it wasn't until I was, probably 40 that I decided I'm grown up enough now to make the commitment to adopt a parrot. And I did. I adopted a little green cheek conure named Tuki. And Tuki would say, Tuki, Tuki, Tuki. And if you ever gave him fruit, strawberry or grape or 
apple, he would go, juice, juice. Those were his words. That's hysterical. That is hysterical. It That's is. Bizarre. He, he was the, and he was, he was a little spitfire. Um, he passed away in, oh. in, I think it was in 2018. Um, I had him for, I think it was like 15 years. Um, it was something, he got sick very quickly and boom, he was, he, he died with the next day. It was, it was really fast and I miss him all the time. He was a, a little imp. He, he would reach his head down like, here, pet me, pet me. And then if you fell for the trick and put your finger out, he would grab it with his little foot and pull it and bite you. Um, and basically laugh like he was he was just mischievous and oh, wonderful and amazing uh, he 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 so when I adopted Tuki I had a rescued dog and two rescued cats um, and Tuki made me bird crazy I had always just been very symmetrical I loved all the animals you know horses whales spiders whatever I loved them all but Tuki really tipped me over into the bird nerd world. And so I had Tuki for a couple of years and that's when I started uh, volunteering at the San Francisco Animal Shelter. And that's when I was exposed to the pigeons and just became a total bird nut. Um, I also had a, a blue headed pionis, Charlie. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and Charlie, so Tukey was very outgoing and social and brave and extroverted. And I hear that's pretty common for green cheek Conyers. Charlie, on the other hand, blue-headed Pionis, she was very kind of um, introverted, cautious, watchful. Um, it took time to earn her trust and, and uh, she was a, a I just a love and I adopted her and within days I realized she was sick uh took her to the vet she had aspergillosis and we treated her for that and we we fought the aspergillosis for I think it was five or six years and it finally won and I lost my Charlie and um and I haven't I'm so overwhelmed with pigeons and doves. Uh, I I don't have the bandwidth to take care of my own pets. You know what I mean? Like I, so I don't have a parrot anymore. And I'm, I'm just doing the rescue thing. So good. But they're, yeah. they're amazing. They're really, uh, and whatever, I mean, you know, I would never want to discourage anybody from adopting a rescued parrot. Don't buy a parrot don't go to a breeder don't think you need a hand-raised chick to get a good bond that's all marketing and bs you adopt a rescue parrot and there's a lot of great groups out there that will help you and be prepared for the noise and the biting and the mischievous and but they're exciting and wonderful pigeons are kind of dull like i tell people that you know it's if you're a really exciting, you know, high energy um, 
person, you might be bored by pigeons. They might not be exciting enough for you where parrots are very exciting on their terms. <laughs> sure. No, no, I, I find, I, I find I'm equally, equally interested in, in both, you know, I, I'm all, all birds are impressive. The pigeons definitely have their own, they like have their own, the thing that attracts me to them is they have their own, like, uh, kind of their own, their own thing going, their, their own personality, their own like society, kind of different from the parrots. They have their own persona for sure. It's extremely mm -hmm. impressive. And I think the uh, grays or, or black or, yeah, I mean, do, do you have, have you had any that are like, um, this is actually kind of sad, kind of odd, but I have a fixation with animals that are jet black, you know, solid black. Have you seen any pigeons that are just jet black, like one solid color, or would that be a breed? Yeah, yeah no, they're, so actually, uh, when I first, so the first pigeon that I rescued um, was this king pigeon named Guedamina, and I brought her home from the shelter <laughs> to foster her. Yeah, Guedamina. Next, next, did, did you ask how she ended up with the Guedamina? Why didn't they just name her something, anything but that, but well, that was, so she had been somebody's pet and they surrendered her. Ah. And so she came in with that name and she was so smart. And see the, the king pigeons that come in from the street, the, the squab that have been rescued, they've been treated like poultry. They're terrified. They're sick. They're exhausted. They're stressed. They don't, they don't, they're not pets. They don't know how to, what's going to happen. They're afraid of people. And so you really have to do the heavy lifting to make friends and, and, and understand them. Guatemina had been somebody's pet. So she was what I called bicultural. She knew all about humans and she was friendly and tame and sweet. And, you know, so she was easy to rescue, brought her home. And I started putting bird seed outside her window where she hung out because I was trying to bring some other pigeons around for company for her. And one of the first ones that showed up was this gorgeous jet black feral pigeon who was missing a foot. Um, I, I brilliantly named him Stumpy. And Stumpy was, was a friend of mine. He lived wild and free for, gosh, I think it was like 10 or 11 years. He was a, just a regular, you know, feral pigeon, but jet black. And, um, when he started to falter and and weaken, you know, from age and uh, I, I actually brought him in and he joined my flock as a rescue and he lived a few more years. Um, but yeah, and then like Sunny, we just, we have this pigeon, she's called a horseman's powder, P-O-U-T-E-R. Uh, and she was just adopted with her mate Thunder and Thunder is this big giant king pigeon who's snow white. I call him Thunder Down Under because he's just like so magnificent. And Sunny is jet black and with the purples and greens, um, that iridescence, she still has that. And she has these long fluffy feathers. They're not the normal survival of the fittest DNA feathers. They're man-made, you know, powder, horseman powder feathers. Um, but yeah, and there's pigeons come, I mean, they're red, almond, uh, pied, uh, gray, brown, auburn, you know, people have done every kind of thing and created all kinds of colors.
So, yeah, so they still would have a lot of beautiful color. They've, there's still plenty of different colors and plenty yep. of different um, beauty and, and yeah. Not as exciting or bright as parrots typically, um, but, but definitely, I mean, we're all, we, we think they're very beautiful. Oh, certainly they are. Yeah. What did you, but just back to something, back to something though, with, with, the, with what you said about the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Pionis, what did you, what did you think of the Pionis? Do you think that's a, I guess I should be using the terminology less bad. Do you think a Pionis is a less bad parrot? Are they pretty quiet? What did you find uh, for you Pionis? Know, Charlie was very dear and sweet. Um, and relatively easy as far as parrots go. She was, she was shy and timid. So you had to, if you brought something new into the house, you know, you had to kind of work through that um, and you had to be patient with her. You couldn't just expect her to just hop up on somebody. If you had company come over, she wasn't gonna just hop up on their hand and, and you know, be, uh, she was, but Pionis, I think they do have a reputation as being on the, on the quiet, I mean, no parrots are noisy, but Pionis are on the quieter side of the noisy spectrum. Um, you know, some parrots are really like, for example, like Conyer, like Nandays and Jendays. Oh, yeah are known for their, you know, their huge voices and the, and cockatoos, right? I mean, they're, uh, they can be amazing pets, but every morning and every night, you're going to have to listen to 15 minutes of, of airplane. Roll, roll in, call. In, yeah. Yeah. Level like, you know, hundreds of decibels, you know, <laughs> of screaming and you, it's not wrong. They're not being bad. They're, they're being exactly who they should be. Very, yeah, very, yeah, extremely, uh, very, very interesting with, with what you said about, um, let me just plug in this. Yeah, none of that, you know, none of that surprises me. I'm going to be living at some point in, in a um, kind of an apartment setting. So of course, if I had one of these types of birds, I would I would get one that was especially calmer or more, or more quiet. So I've heard that the Pionis, along with uh, Poicephalus, which you didn't yeah. didn't mention, but yeah, yeah. Ha have you? I mean, have you had have you had Poicephalus? Any of the Poicephalus um, parents in the past, or personally, I haven't. But I'm a member of the Mikaboo Pigeon. Or, <laughs> I'm screwing it up. Mikaboo Companion Bird Rescue. And they're a parrot rescue here in the Bay Area. And in fact, when I first started trying to help Guatemina, I didn't know anything. I wasn't, I didn't know how to rescue birds. I didn't know anything about it. And I reached out to Mikaboo, the parrot rescue, and they were very kind and sort of took me in under their wing, as it were, and let me post about Guatemina um, through their web serve. And they let me learn from them and join them in outreach events. And I created a, my own department that we called Mikaku because there was Mikaboo and then Mikaku. Um, and then uh, a few years later, we, we became independent. And that's when, and then a couple years later after that, we changed our name to Palomacy. Um, Cause we didn't want to just have a rescue. We want to have a movement. Um, even if our rescue 
goes away tomorrow, palomacy will go on. Pigeon diplomacy is something that everybody can do. But yes, I, I know of those birds, those parrots through the Mikaboo group. And um, they're amazing. They're very, they seem very cerebral, very kind of calculating. And, you know, they're not, they're not just party birds. They're, they're more kind of on the watchful and I mean, very, still very compelling, but just in different ways. Definitely. So that is, that is all very good. How many other, how many other podcasts have you been on? Gosh, well, you know, I've been on a couple. I did um, not too long ago, I did Hope for the Animals. And that was, I really appreciated that. And I have done a podcast, you know, with the hen house. And that was fun. Um, Yeah, I love it. I love getting, in fact, Palomacy, we would love to have our own podcast. And and there's so much. There's well, you, so can, much. you can well, start. Well, you can start one. I'm, I'm certainly not going to stop you. You can start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to. I mean, the stories that I could tell, you know, every, they're amazing stories. The things that these birds endure, um, the, the, the things that they show us and teach us and bring us and give us. Um, there's a lot to share about them. They're very, in fact, I tell adopters, if you're going to bring a pigeon into your home, it's kind of like a roommate, you know, I mean, they're, they're definitely is. Yeah. They're small and they're quiet, but they're, they're a person. They're, they're a little bird person. We're a big, we're a big people person. They're a little bird person. Absolutely. I could not, could not agree more. <laughs> so um, that is, that is so good. So uh, I've asked um, all of my questions. I'm sure that uh, since you, since you brought it up, as I wasn't planning on saying this on the podcast. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, promote a, a, a true, the, you know, the highest level of truth and honesty and the highest level of obviously of professionalism and the hobby of podcasting. But yes, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be hearing from me once I, um, you know, move out, uh, move down um, to Florida or something like that. I'm sure I would be be asking you, okay, so who do you know around here in Florida who has who has a rescue or something something to that effect? I think mm-hmm. it's uh, I think it's really important, um, and I think um, I I completely agree with your philosophy, how you approach animals and how you really understand you know, hey, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have had them in the first place, but now that they're here, let's just try to put them in appropriate places with people who truly would love them. And I, cer- I promise you, I would, cer- I would certainly love a pigeon. So I'm sure I, 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 in fact, I promise, I promise you that once I'm in Florida, at some point you, you guys would be hearing from me. So really, a really like strange, que- I, I actually didn't want to ask this. I wasn't really going to get into all this type of specific, just maybe one last question, but so, um, some rescues uh, ship pigeons. Um, do you guys ever ship across the country or not really? So that's a great question. So hobbyists, I mean, so pigeons are shipped, like the racers, they... they right, they no, 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 that's that's not what I mean. What I mean yeah. is, right. Yeah, I was just sort of kind of broadening yeah. it for your listeners. But no, so Palomacy, on rare occasion, um, we have shipped, but we really encourage local adoption. Because there are pigeons in Florida that need help. Wherever you are, there are birds that need help. And so rather than 
uh, importing rescues from one place to another, we really try to encourage people to adopt locally. Not right. that it's terrible. I mean, I, I know some wonderful rescues and we have on occasion, like sometimes under some special circumstances when we had a really good home for some birds that was far away and was gonna save their lives. Yes, we have shipped. But as a routine rule, no, we don't. Right. And I can hook you up in Florida. We, right, we so you would know, people. you would be able to know from that group. Um, if there are people, yeah, there would be probably, Absolutely. there would probably be more people, I don't know. I would say there would probably be more people in Florida who would have rescues than in California, but then California probably has a lot too, right? We Between... have a lot, we have a lot. Um, and I think, I mean, pigeon rescue is still pretty new, you know? Um, but so I don't know how, there's not a whole lot of organized or pigeon rescue organizations in Florida, but there are a lot of individuals, some wonderful people that are helping pigeons on their own and networking with us and sort of doing it in a civilian fashion. Right, kind of, um, yeah, kind of like on their own, more like in, independently, more of a low key, more low key kind of, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's, yep. And, and however, you know, whoever you have, you rescue a lot or you rescue a few, doesn't matter. It's just help somebody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that is, that is all really, all tremendously good knowledge that you've given me and certainly my listeners. I don't know how many other episodes of podcasts there are just about pigeons, but this is basically pigeons, everything, I, everything we wanted to know. So this basically definitely has has any listener covered for sure um so i always like um to say thank you that i i generally podcast about topics in the disability community but because of my interest in birds and pigeons i just thought you know that would be a really fascinating episode and it definitely was and can I, yeah can i can i share one more i'm okay. sorry to interrupt you Eric. no worries no worries please share please share go right ahead so we have a lot of special needs pigeons. Hmm. We have pigeons who are unable to walk or who are blind or who have, um, you know, a, a lost the wing and they're grounded. Uh, pigeons are incredible um, in their ability to adapt and they're very inspiring. We have pigeons who only have one working leg, um, we have, I mean, so that's another aspect of pigeons that I think is really, um, it's relevant for everybody in the sense that we never know what's going to happen to any of us, right? Any one of us can uh, face a challenge that's unexpected. And pigeons are amazing in their ability to adapt and to thrive. And yeah, we have a lot of special needs pigeons. We have a saying, we don't have to start with euthanasia. Right. Yeah. That is, that is all, all excellent. So I ask every guest this last question. Um, if you can ask me only one question to really make me sweat, see if I'm really worth my salt, what question would you ask? Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, I mean, really ask any question. Any question. Any really good question. Why do you do podcasts? Sure. Um, I was listening to podcasts for many years. 
Um, my day job is I'm, I'm a teacher online. And when I'm not doing that, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts for the disability community and the blindness community. And I noticed one thing that a lot of these podcasts out there are very good, but they're never approachable. And then that was simply my opinion. So I wanted to create an environment and a podcast community where anyone, whether it's whether you want to talk about pigeons or whatever you want to talk about, you can come to my podcast and have a voice. And that's what I do here at Aaron's Opinion. I've had guests from all over the world um, know that we have people listening to this podcast from Mongolia. Uh, and gee, I, w I wonder if you know any pigeons in Mongolia. I, I certainly don't, but maybe you did. Um, but, you know, we have people, you know, all over the world who are going to learn from you and, and learn from this podcast. And that's why it's such an amazing, really fascinating hobby. So that's, you know, how I got into podcasting. And then over a period of time, I built up, you know, guests and built up an audience and built up kind of built up the hobby around it. But that's, you know, how I, you know, how I get started. It's really easy. Even if you want to start a podcast, just go over to Anchor. That's uh, my hosting company. Just go over to Anchor. Just basically push record and start telling stories. And, uh, you know, no, no pun intended. You're, you're off, you're off to the races, Ho <laughs> hopefully without, hopefully without a pigeon. So, you know, that's how you can, you can get into podcasting uh, very, very easily and really be able to educate and entertain a lot of people. And it's, it's a really positive activity. So that's, that's why. Well, so thank you for that referral and that encouragement, Aaron, I appreciate it. I, I feel like it's, it's harder than it, uh, than you, than you, uh, you, you don't, you make it look easy and I appreciate that, but I, I'm grateful for the encouragement. Oh, you should, you should, I saw your live video. You should keep doing live videos in the Paloma C group. That's, that's another thing you could do. You could also, not that you would really want to, but you could also save those lives uh, to your phone or computer and then upload those into YouTube and then get into a YouTube thing with what you do too. That can, YouTube, YouTube is, by the way, YouTube is a much larger audience. Usually you're going to get more viewers on YouTube than you would on iTunes generally. Yeah. That's a great idea. And you know, I do have those live videos saved and it never occurred to me. Please we, up, up, come on, you're killing me. Upload those things to YouTube, get the word out. We do, we have a YouTube channel even. So yeah, I I will do that. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you oh, for my, the information. My pleasure. So I'm sure in more ways than in more ways than one, I'm sure I will be helping your organization in the future. But for the listeners, how can they help out? Obviously, 99.9% .9 of them can't or won't or have no interest in adopting a pigeon. So how can people help? Thank you. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. And there's, there's a, everybody. So pigeons are everywhere. They're all over the world. They're ubiquitous. And most of us are only going to run into the feral city pigeons. So ways to be helpful is one, be respectful and compassionate. Don't treat them as less than or, or, or as pests. They are dignified, noble, amazing creatures. They're not a risk. They're not going to make you sick. They're not stupid. They're not dirty. Be, be respectful and spread that. Um, we call it trickle up compassion. People can visit our website, which is pigeonrescue.org. There's a lot of stories and um, blog posts and information. Um, people can donate, people can volunteer, people can join our Paloma C help group on Facebook. Uh, the biggest thing though is be kind, be kind to everybody, pigeons included. I could not agree more. 
a perfect a perfect way um to end in the podcast yeah i meant what i meant yes your your answer was perfect what i meant was how can someone directly help palomacy but then you basically say go to uh pigeon pigeonrescue.org and there they would be able to find out more information um about you and and what you guys are what you guys are doing all all great all right um <clears throat> so that is Great episode. Um, Aaron Richmond from Aaron's Opinion, of course. Uh, for those of you who've been lo lost in all this extra knowledge that you never, never, never really realized about pigeons, uh, that was another great episode of Aaron's Opinion where we talk about critical issues in the blindness community or certainly the pigeon community. Either way, Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com, 12406819869. By the way, follow on Facebook, Twitter, even consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. I forgot about that. Take care, everybody. As um, as Elizabeth said, be, be respectful, be kind. I And that's the same thing I say. I wish you the very best of health, all the pigeons the very best of health. And uh, until next time, as I say here at Aaron's Opinion, take care, stay safe, everybody, and help one person today, help a million people tomorrow. <laughs>